0: hello and welcome back to the field guide to body language podcast my name is laurel i am a movement analyst and a body language nerd and also your host Today we're gonna talk about posture and you can pretty much forget everything you think you know about posture because the most common conventions about posture are just wrong. First, there is no such thing as good posture. And that good was in air quotes. Also, I would like it to be known that every time I say the word good in relationship to posture in the next 10 minutes or so, you can assume I'm putting it in air quotes because that whole stand up straight with your shoulders back and your stomach sucked in that everyone thinks is good posture isn't good posture. It's military posture. It's a confident and slightly aggressive posture, but that doesn't make it necessarily good or even better for your body than any other position. There may be times when we use that posture to convey a strong message, and it certainly benefits everyone to have the ability to move in and out of it, but you don't want to live there. For those of you who don't know me personally, and I assume that's all of you because I actually haven't had the chance to plug this podcast on my social media yet. um, I, I own a Pilates studio and I teach Pilates all day, five days a week. Pilates is a posture-based form of exercise and many people come to the studio with the express wish of improving their posture. So one day I was working with a client and we had been working on getting their shoulders back because that was an area of disconnection in their body. So we did a couple of exercises and then they stood up as straight as they could and they rolled their shoulders back and said, okay, so I should be like this all the time, right? Well, in a nutshell. No, Pilates may help you find a tall back position, but the beauty of it is that good workouts teach you how to move through and build strength in a complete range of motion. It doesn't just put you in one position and leave you there. That's actually not healthy. I realize I'm digressing a bit and I'm sorry. I don't really want this episode to be an advertisement for Pilates, but classical Pilates is a brilliantly crafted system. Okay. Let's leave that there and move on. Uh, but remember that military posture isn't inherently good or physically better for your body than any other assumed posture. Second, it's not the fault of your phone that you or your kids have a hunched back or what some people have been calling tech neck. Don't get me wrong. I agree that screen time can be a problem, but postural maladies aren't the fault of the phone or any other piece of technology. There's a bit of a postural conundrum here. We usually hold our phones in near or mid-reach space at mid-level, which is a fancy way to say in front of our stomach, and then we focus on them, which rounds our upper body around them and can create a rounded shape in the upper back. But what's important to realize is that literally 80% of our lives happens in that space. Cooking, knitting, gardening, typing, reading, sewing, card games, washing your hands, drawing, playing video games, washing the dishes, studying. So, so, so much stuff happens here. And that's because anatomically, it's an easy place for our bodies to access. And because it's an easy place to access, we build a lot of tools and projects that live in that space. You could probably think of five more things besides what I listed earlier that happen in front of your body where you hold your phone. But when was the last time you had the occasion to do something with your hands behind your head? This morning, I put my hair in a ponytail, which involved taking my hands behind my head and arching or extending my back a bit. But I can't think of anything else, Pilates aside, that I would do on a regular basis with my hands behind my head. I certainly wouldn't consider it convenient to check my phone behind my head. It's much easier to have my phone in my hands in front of my body. It's not practical to have your phone behind you. And what about another posture? Uh, Say a side bend. Sometimes in the morning, I'll stretch from side to side, but there aren't a ton of daily tasks that require a side bend to complete. We don't build things that live in the space beside our body. Oh, well, okay. Here's one. My business partner, who is much cooler than I am, has a great little fanny pack that she wears off to the side on her hip. I'm sure they're called something other than fanny packs now, but I am an eighties baby. So I remember them as fanny packs. Anyway, if my business partner to, were to retrieve something out of the fanny pack, that would require a little side bend. But that's, again, not terribly functional. That's more of a fashion statement. If you're wanting something convenient, it's built to be in front of you. All of that is to say that our bodies are built to work well with tasks that are in front of us, that we can simultaneously hold and see. So we've centered many of our tasks there. We've built a lot of things that we use in the space in front of our bodies. That's just life, not any specific piece of tech. Third, you aren't in physical pain because you have, quote unquote, bad posture, When there is pain in someone's body because of a posture that they've assumed, it's not because they're in a bad position. Something just got stuck. And that's the problem because our bodies were designed to move. So when there is pain, it's frequently because the person stopped moving in and out of that posture. There's something stuck. And when there's something stuck in our bodies, we'll compensate with other things that are trying to do a job that they weren't meant for. Here is an example shoulder joints are built to be flexible. The upper arm bone, the humerus has a ball at the shoulder end of it. And that sits in a socket created by the clavicle or the collarbone and the scapula, which is your shoulder blade and the collarbones, the shoulder blades, and the bones of the arm all work together and move together to access the whole range of motion available to the arm. That's how those bones are supposed to work as a team. It's not just the arm bones reaching out in space. They take a part of the shoulder girdle along for the ride. And that's by design. That's the way it's supposed to be. However, in the quest to get their shoulders down, many people shove their shoulder blades and collarbones down kind of into their rib cage and then hold them there. Now it's important to be able to have the ability to anchor your shoulder girdle. Those muscles are important, but problems arise when we prioritize a fixed position that we think will quote unquote fix us over allowing our body to move. If you anchor your shoulders and try to move your arm without the assistance of its helpers, you will injure your shoulder. Your rotator cuff will get really angry that it doesn't have a support group. Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen, who is a phenomenal and brilliant human, uh, sums it up this way, quote, there are no wrong postures, only positions we have forgotten to come out of, end quote our posture, as well as our balance. And that's going to probably be an episode all in of itself. um, Our posture should be fluid. We should be able to stand up straight and anchor our shoulders, but also bend forward over a menu and slide our shoulder blades away from each other. We should be able to reach from side to side to stretch in the morning or twist to look behind us or weave in and out of a crowd whenever we desire. The key is movement and having a full range of motion available, not finding the right position. My best advice, if you're worried about your posture, is to forget about posture and find a movement practice. It can be as simple as taking a daily walk. Just move your body. And now you're asking, what does all that have to do with body language? so much and we'll get there in a minute but first let's talk about the biggest part of your body that links our posture and our body language it's the spine it's at the core of your body and it can be a telling component of your body language a healthy spine should move in all directions forward back side to side and in a twist it should also be strong enough to support itself through all of that movement let's unpack the anatomy of the spine Do keep in mind that the spine is much more complex than this brief description, but today's purposes really only call for a simple sketch. The spine is made up of a stack of fancy bones, the vertebrae, which have a disc-like body and then fancy protrusions out the back that connect the vertebrae to each other directly and articulate or move on another in multiple ways. And the protrusions on the vertebra are what you feel or maybe see sticking out on someone's back the body of the vertebra sits deeper in the torso in between the body of each vertebra is a rubbery disc that allows the body of each vertebra to have a measure of flexibility um, on each other just in case i lost you uh in the anatomical jargon here is a sugary illustration Yes, I realize that most of my illustrations involve dessert items. I am essentially allergic to sugar and I would really love to shove cake in my face. So I'm trying to get my sugar fixed by talking about it instead of eating it and having my eyes swell shut. You're welcome. Okay. Imagine a sleeve of thin mints all stacked up in a tower of deliciousness. Those are the bodies of your vertebrae stackable but not flexible. Now, if you had a bunch of little tiny mini jelly donuts and you put a little donut in between each Thin Mint, then you'd have kind of a flexible tower, which would need to be surrounded by musculature to be functional. I feel like Twizzlers might be the answer, maybe some fruit by the foot. Um, Of course, this is all assuming that the Thin Mints made it out of the package and not directly into someone's mouth, which is highly unlikely but I digress. This flexible column of vertebrae and discs or thin mints and jelly donuts that can move in all different directions has flexible elements and strong elements. The structure of the spine fosters both stability and mobility but that's not everything that is going on with the spine. Emotions are reflected in the spine too. And that's why it's important to consider it when we consider body language, just like the physical anatomy of the spine. There are stable and mobile elements to the, we'll say emotional side of the spine. Your spine will hold you up, but also hopefully allow you to move in all different directions. How you choose to use your spine communicates to the world a lot about who you are and how you present yourself. This concept is built into our vernacular. Someone who would bend over backwards to help would go to great lengths to help another person. If someone hung their head in shame, not only is their spine curved forward, but they are also feeling shame, maybe guilt and sadness too. A spineless person doesn't have the strength emotionally and maybe physically to stand up for themselves. What does all this theory look like in real life, you ask? Let's consider an adult who stands with a rigid, tall spine, like the military posture we talked about earlier, and looks down their nose at a small child. There could be a couple of things going on here. We'd need a fuller picture to decipher this situation accurately, but but based just on the spine and the facial muscles, we could ponder a couple of different scenarios. One, the adult doesn't like children and flat out isn't interested in adjusting their body language to be more approachable. And that's an emotional response that is completely valid, by the way. Not everyone likes kids and we don't need everyone to try and interact with every child, okay? We don't. They're not unfriendly, cut them a break. My point is, you see the, um, their emotional response reflected in the absence of an adjustment in the spine, most likely com- accompanied by the stiffness in the facial muscles. Two, the adult doesn't have the spinal flexibility to bend down and address the child at their level. In this case, you most likely see a softening element somewhere else in the body, like the smile or maybe a little tilt of the head. There isn't a lot of flex- physical flexibility, but there is emotional flexibility. And that is just being reflected somewhere else in the body because the movement isn't available in the spine. Imagine how different this scenario would look if the adult were to bend their spine forward and crouch down so that they were eye to eye with the child. They would be demonstrating flexibility, a willingness to meet the child where they are, spatially and emotionally. You can see the movement of the spine indicates much about the adult's attitude. They are either willing and able to be flexible or not. If you are forever in military posture, and I have legit seen this happen, if you stick yourself in military posture because you think it is good posture, you lose a lot of flexibility. And then you have trouble interacting with the world because your spine isn't available to adjust. You sent the message that you want it to be upright all the time. And that message stuck. So forget about good posture and go find a movement practice that fosters both spinal stability and spinal mobility. Like I said earlier, classical Pilates is a great way to go or yoga or Tai Chi. It is also a good idea to consult your doctor before starting a movement practice. It's important to take the appropriate precautions so that in your endeavor to strengthen and stretch, you don't hurt yourself. Not all instructors or class situations have the resources to deal with body's individual needs. So make sure you consult with a medical professional first so that you can advocate for yourself. The other thing I want to mention is that there are lots of budget-friendly options here. So don't feel like if you want to do this, you have to go shell out hundred dollars for a private lesson in Pilates. If you want to pick up a movement practice, I'm going to link a couple of great websites in the show notes that offer Pilates or yoga classes online for a minimal monthly fee, and they are good classes with excellent instructors. I've used both of these websites personally, and I really enjoy them. Um, Something else to consider as we wrap up is what your spinal movement conveys to the world about you. First, are you tall and proud all the time? And if so, are you coming across as unapproachable? Second, are you flexible enough to help out someone in need? And if you are, do you overextend yourself in pursuit of others' happiness and well being? Lastly, is it obvious to the world that you are ashamed or depressed about something? If you change your posture, does it help lift your mood? Remember, too, that when you look at the body language of others, don't just look at the spine. Remember to look at the whole body. There are clues in the spine but don't take them out of the context of what the body is doing because the rest of the body is giving you good information too thanks for sticking around to the end. I hope this was insightful. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave me a review. Um, if you have questions, feel free to DM me on Instagram. Um, I am at Laurel Foley, L-A-U-R-E-L-F-O-L-E-Y. Or you can email me at laurel at com. Thanks friends.